Welcome to another episode of Beauty Needs Me. I'm Dunio Dumasu, one half of the pod, and I'm here with my other half, Talia Griffin. Hey. And if you're new to this space, on this show, we take a different approach to beauty. You'll still get product recommendations and routines, but we like to discuss beauty from a global perspective, one that crosses color, culture, and country lines. On this episode, we spoke with founder and chief cosmetic scientist of Nueki, Eunice Kofi Obang. Eunice is an esthetician, philanthropist, and 2021 recipient of the Glossier Grant Initiative for Black-owned beauty businesses. Eunice merges traditional African medicine and modern science to address skin concerns specific to Black men and women. Mm-hmm. Talia, dare I ask, <laughs> what was your favorite part of the interview? Um, okay, so I'm going to give one thing, but then I'm going to also mention something very cool. So I thought it was really cool to learn that Nueki is her middle name mm. and that that is how she came up with the name for the brand. I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, I never would have thought because uh-huh. the whole time I was thinking like, I wonder what Nueki means. But I was uh-huh. like, OK, it's her middle name. But then she gave us some uh, some tips or some some feedback on different ingredients that are not as well highlighted in Africa and things that you can do with them. And when she talked about the different things that we could do for the different parts of the female body, I was like, okay, sis. That was definitely one of my favorite parts as well. I was like jaw open because it was just such a gem. Um, and in general, I just thought Eunice was so dope. She's so intelligent. Mm -hmm. She's so on it. She is the perfect example of, I think, bridging these two worlds that so many of us teeter between, like having an appreciation for modern science, but also wanting to incorporate some of the more traditional natural ingredients. And I think she's done a phenomenal job of, of, um, bringing that forth in her products. And one of the things that we did not mention in the episode, but that you all should be well aware of, is that Nueki is coming out with about nine new products to treat Mm -hmm. hyperpigmentation and acne. So within the next month or maybe by the end of October, early November, you should definitely visit their website and check those out. Absolutely. If you're not subscribed to the pod, please do so. We also appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts. And of course, keep up with us on IG at Beauty Needs Me. All right, let's get into it. All right. Hey, Eunice. Hi. Hey, Eunice. Hi. <laughs> so we like to start the show by asking guests essentially their origin story. Yeah. So what was your experience with beauty growing up? Take us like back. So like you were born and what happened? That's a great question. Um, so for me, um, it started with, um, me being teased and bullied because of my dark skin. Um, I remember in elementary school where girls would, you know, call me all kinds of names like African booty scratcher, blackie. Um, Did you go to school here in America? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that I didn't know if they were saying African booty scratcher in Africa. I didn't, I wasn't sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I was born here in the States. And so, um, 
yeah, that was really hard for me because, you know, these are, you know, my classmates that look like me. And so it was hard for me to understand why um, they felt that they should be calling me these names because I thought we were all black. And so that really took a toll on my self-esteem. You know, I I would cry a lot, Um, didn't feel as confident in myself. And um, the thing that really helped me to really shift my thinking was my father introducing me to science. Um, So he would take time out to um, help me with science projects. He would teach me how to grow plants. And so I really was able to have like a redirect from all that I was dealing with in um, school. And he helped me to enter my first science fair. And that's where I realized, oh, wow. Okay. This is something I'm really interested in. And I won the science fair and that allowed me to gain more confidence in myself and knowing that okay, my classmates may not view me as the most beautiful person in the room, but they will view me as the smartest person in the room. So I used my my brain as the thing to get me through that whole process. Eunice, where did you grow up? I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay, okay. And did you, did you, you grew up going back to Ghana? No, I or didn't. No. I, I oh, only okay. went to Ghana um, probably in, uh, in elementary school once, and then I didn't go back until I was in college. Mm. And what about the Ghanaian community in Tallahassee? Was it strong? Yeah, it was pretty strong at that time. Um, so I did have a network of other um, kids that were like me that I could, you know, um, you know, develop relationships with. And that's how I actually met my best friend. Um, We've been best friends since the fourth grade. I guess I'm curious to know kind of what what were the different factors? So I grew up around, by the time I got to high school, I grew up with Nigerian kids who I didn't Mm -hmm. know were Nigerian. There there was nothing different that I could point out. So I, I guess I'm curious to know kind of what, factors contributed to you standing out amongst the other Black American kids? So I um, actually grew up on a college campus because my father was in um, pharmacy pharmacy school at the time at Florida A&M University. So, I mean, I was surrounded by Black Americans. And then the school that I went to Um, was on the South side and it was majority black Americans. So I think the thing that probably stood out, maybe I was maybe a little bit darker than most people. Um, That's the only thing that I could really think of that would have stood out to anyone at school. Right. Yeah. When I think of Florida, I'm like, by the time we down there, we all pretty dark. That's, yeah, like, that's also the South, honey. <laughs> yes. Florida is the South. And I feel like yes. sometimes we forget that. At least I do. Because when I'm yeah. South, I'm thinking like Alabama, Mississippi. But then it's like, oh, no, no, no. Florida's as South as it goes, you know? Yeah. And Tallahassee is only like 30 minutes from uh, the Georgia. Yeah. 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 So we're real close, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So you made this transition into science. <clears throat> 
Um, and you are extremely educated. So for those of you who do not know, Eunice has a bachelor's of science in um, biology, molecular biology from family. I have a, a bachelor's in chemistry, molecular biology. Chemistry, molecular biology. You have a, um, you did a course at Harvard, right? That was, was yeah. that a master's program or was that a? It was continuing education. Continuing um, education, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have a master's in cosmetic science. Yes. So at what point did you did you decide on beauty? Because you did a lot of philanthropic work as well. You, um, you know, I read about your some of the work you did, I think, in the Philippines as well as in mm-hmm. Ghana. I'm not making that up. Right. That's, that's oh, actual. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think I saw right. it too. You're correct. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, and I think you are also um, nominated as like a young leader of the world, um, uh, you know, some years ago, not meaning like a whole long time ago, just meaning, you know, before. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point did you decide that from all of that, you wanted to focus on cosmetics, especially given your early relationships. So I sort of fell into that because uh, I went to FAMU for undergrad Mm -hmm. and um, my sophomore year, I connected with the professor. He was my organic lab teacher. And so instead of us just doing the regular labs, he had us um, learn how to make hair relaxers, lotions, and so I really, really got into it. Um, my classmates, I remember they would say, oh man, Eunice, you're really quiet. And I'm like, because I'm really into this because it allowed me to take the theory that I was learning in organic and actually bring something to life that people could use on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's that was my first foray into beauty, cosmetic science. Um, my uh, professor he allowed me to do research with him. He had his own company. So he really taught me everything that he knew about formulating and um, bringing a a product to market. So that was really where I said, huh, this is, I like this. This is something that I'm interested in. Which I think this might be the first time that I've actually heard of anybody learning um, cosmetic science in undergrad, like Mm -hmm. actually having some sort of experience with formulating. So- And did you bring that knowledge home? Like, were you experimenting on your mom and friends? Um, Yes. So I would actually make products in the lab. And then I I live with my parents and I would make products at home, too. So I was making products for friends, um, my family, for myself. And so that's how I really honed in on that skill. What was your favorite thing to make? Don't say a relaxer. Say something. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing to make, I like to do the, some of the most complicated things. Um, so I'm really into pharmaceuticals and mm-hmm. how that could, you know, how you could create something that can address um, uh, like uh, physiological needs. So um, I remember making um, a pain reliever ointment that could be that was made from flaxseed. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. And how did you even like, how did you even think of flaxseed to be what was used? So I, I just sat and just read a lot and I just, I was trying to bring a combination of natural ingredients 
as well as, you know, the uh, pharma ingredients together, the merging of the two. And so I just went through a lot of herbal books to sort of see what um, I could use as an alternative that would bring that, give that gel-like feel. Mm -hmm. And that's how I came up with flaxseed. Impressive. So you still got some? I know, like... (laughs) So back to my question. Break us off. Break us off. I wish. Man. Okay. So at what point did you decide, okay, let me start my own company? Or did you always kind of have that in your mind? So in undergrad, I realized that I um, would want to do this um, for the future. And so I had to sit down and think about, okay, if I were to start a beauty company or a pharma company, what would the name be? How can I make it unique? And I said, well, why not use my middle name? Because it's um, indicative of, you know, what I'm trying to create when it comes to the merging of Africa and modern science. And so in undergrad, I went ahead, I read some business books and went ahead and incorporated the company by myself. And that's when I, you know, said, okay, um, I can do this um, later on down the road after I graduate. You were so focused. I mean, I was (laughs) working in college. I was starting nothing. All kinds of fun. So you mentioned it's, 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 so I consider your brand as a beauty, right? Like I think, Mm -hmm. so Eunice and I are in a group chat. That is yes. called. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's our A Beauty group chat. Um, but what part of Nueki, what's the modern science? And then what is the African science? Um, how exactly is that merged together? Like what's the core? So the the Africa piece is, you know, when we think about Africa, we think about shea butter, um, we think about cocoa butter. But there's millions of other plants that have gone Mm. without, you know, any sort of real research behind them. Um, A lot of our forefathers and foremothers, they use them in the villages to treat certain skin and hair disorders or different ailments in the body. And they get great results. And so I wanted to focus in on that. I want to go beyond just the shea butter and look at you know, the millions of other plants that are out there. Now the um, modern science is taking, you know, the tools that we have now that we use in um, developing skincare and hair care products and being able to harness the power of those plants that you find in Africa. So, you know, it's not, there hasn't been much research on a lot of these plants um, and it's now becoming a a burgeoning um, uh, area And now you have uh, in South Africa and uh, Mauritius, you have, you know, those educational institutions that are actually really doing some research on these traditional African medicine practices and um, thinking about how can we bring these to market for beauty, skincare, hair care. And so that's where the two come in is taking the tools of today. So you take to harness the power of, African plants or bringing the old science into fruition. Yeah, I love that. So what's an underground plant you could put us on? Tell us something we don't know. 
Wow. Okay. So there is one plant called um, Kigella. And um, it is a plant that um, some African women use to tighten their breasts, to sort of give it a lift. What? Where, yeah, it's a where fruit is this plant. Grown? It's grown in several places in, in Africa. Um, you can find it on uh, in Southern Africa, East Africa. And they and just so, rub it on their titties? Yeah, like, how does that on, work? Their, on their breasts, yeah, to, to tighten it up. So like after childbirth or just in, in any time, whenever they yeah, start to sag, yeah. whenever they looking a little loose. Yeah. So just imagine what could that look like for anti-aging? Yeah. What can that look like for wound healing? You're about to have a whole, you're about to have a whole way. I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. Okay. So, this, so there's this plant and they don't have to put it in nothing. They can just. Kind of they just rub it. You take it from the, the the fruit, and then they just rub it on their on their chest. That and then is it just, amazing. It just over time lifts. Yeah, mm-hmm. it this, tightens the the skin. This is K I G E L A Kigella. Uh, K I G Yep E L L L A. I'm all the way about to look into this. What? Yeah. yeah, you got something else. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but if you want more. <laughs> Because <laughs> that was a gym. So if you have another in you, we'll take it. Oh, wow. Um, there are so many. A um, meme, um, that is from a plant. You'll find that in several uh, sub-Saharan countries in Africa. But specifically, I remember my mom telling me that they would take neem oil and they would dip women um, in the oil uh, uh so that they can um, address their um, whatever issues that were going on in their reproductive system. So, for instance, if they had um, like bacterial vaginosis or if they had like yeast infection or any of those types of things, that those that particular um, plant oil will work to heal that ailment. Oh, that's interesting because I've heard of neem, but I thought it was an Ayurvedic, I've, I've always mispronounced that, um, ingredient. Like, I thought that that was what the Indian women used that. Like, I've always associated uh-huh. it with Indian women mm-hmm. and their culture. It's not, and you'll be surprised that a lot of those Ayurvedic plants, Thank you find a lot of properly. them <laughs> in, <laughs> in, um, in Africa. So... Uh, and that's the thing. We know a lot about Ayurveda. We know a lot about traditional Chinese medicine. We don't know much about traditional African, African. medicine. Yes. And, and so a lot, that? Yeah. So a lot of these other places are taking credit and they have those plants there, but we also have to take credit too. For what we did. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I forget the brand, um, Tali. I think we talked about it on this show once. Um, you know, and it's no shade to Indian women, um, but you know, they, they popularized, they sold their brand with the story of we, we grease our scalps. And oh, wow. We, Talia, you don't remember that? We all the way who talked gre- about this. Who greased wow. their scalps? Yeah, it's like their tradition and, and on their website, it's the grandmother putting oil on the, her daughter's hair and then the daughter putting oil in the, in the granddaughter's scalp. And I'm it like, sound familiar, we've but been I don't doing this brand. on Sunday night since, yes. you know, but the beginning long? of time. Yeah. So to mm-hmm. see another another culture put that out there as if it was it's this like phenomenon. I was yeah. I was blown away. Well, there's a white woman selling bonnets on Sephora, and I was like, not today. 
<laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen that. And, you know, I've seen some other brands that have taken the shea butter and made it luxury and they are selling it for hundreds of dollars. And what they got in there? A bunch of mineral oil? Oh my goodness. With this. <laughs> so, so Eunice, I, I'm, I'm not probably, I'm probably not going to dip my coochie in the neem oil, but is there like, <laughs> do you, do you think it would be just as effective in like a pill or like, you know, that you swallow? I think it could work. It could possibly, I've, I've seen studies where they've done that. Um, and then I've also seen where it could possibly be used as a topical. So let's say someone is, has a cut or wound and you're trying to prevent um, some sort of uh, like sepsis or a bacterial invasion. Yeah. Where and you could create a, an ointment that'll address that. Or let's think about someone who's dealing with acne. You know, that it could possibly be used for, for that or even scalp issues that we may deal with. Um, so it has so many different types of uses. So, Eunice, one of the things that I love about the brand that you've built is it's not just products. You can download um, this guide, I think, for hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. I have like a few of those um, saved in my email. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do a lot of teaching on acne, acne prevention. You can do well a, a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, are you also an esthetician? Mm-hmm. Yes, I yes, am. Yes, you are, exactly. Yeah. And yes, she you is. have the, like the esthetician, I would say school workshop um, to train other estheticians. So sticking with that just for a little bit, what made you decide to become an esthetician in addition to all of the formal, the other formal training that you have? So I started teaching at beauty um, conferences and events. Um, and uh what I found was many of those estheticians were hungry for more knowledge concerning skin of color. So I would have women from all types of backgrounds, you know, asking, do you have more education? We want to learn more because this is something that we're not taught in school. And so I just, you know, began thinking, okay, if I want to be able to really um, provide what estheticians need, I need to get into the mind of the esthetician. So I went ahead and went to aesthetic school, um, like literally right after I got married. (laughs) And um, then um, it was there that I I was able to see the textbooks. They really don't show much about our skin um, and how to treat it. It's, you know, almost like one size fits all when it comes to the approach of addressing any sort of things that we deal with. Yeah. And so. I saw that there was an opportunity there and I I just started writing for um, some of the major uh, aesthetic magazines. I started speaking more at a lot of the aesthetic conferences. And I said, you know what? I can create my own because I noticed that in particular that black estheticians were being left out of the conversation. Mm. And I think black estheticians are in a unique position to address a lot of our skin issues because, you know, we tend to be okay with going to someone that looks like us because we feel we have that comfort level. And so I wanted to empower um, Black estheticians because this is a market that they can actually take over. The hair care market has been taken over by other groups. And so 
the aesthetic market or the skincare market, that was a, that's an opportunity that we could, you know, address considering the change in the demographics in the United States. What do you think are some of the most, maybe top two misconceptions about what estheticians do and what they don't do or what they treat and don't treat? I think one of the, um, one of them is uh, definitely uh, folks think that estheticians just provide, you know, spa facials and that's just it. They don't really, uh, you know, do anything spectacular when it comes to addressing the skin. So when you talk to someone about an esthetician, um, especially a woman of color who's, you know, when it's not a part of our culture to go see an esthetician, mm-hmm. you know, they just think it's um, a luxury when other groups see it as a, you know, that's a part of their everyday thing. Just like we go to the hairstylist every week or every two weeks, there are other groups that go to an esthetician at least once a month. I think the another misconception is that um, estheticians are um, not valuable to um, the world of medicine ah. because, you know, there's only so many dermatologists that specialize in skin of color. About 3% of dermatologists are actually Black. And you can only imagine if you're trying to get in to see them, it's a three to six month wait. So for, you know, issues that are not um, as serious, why not bring the esthetician to help address that? And, you know, things like acne and hyperpigmentation, you can bring in the esthetician to help with, you know, education and also providing those skincare treatments because a dermatologist is, um, they know how to diagnose and then they'll provide, um, you the medication or the topical, um, and then they are, may do some sort, some treatments, but they only are limited in the amount of time that they can do that. So an esthetician could be very valuable to the world of medicine and sort of kind of bridging that gap. That's no, that you make a, a very good point because I do think that the esthetician is undervalued, especially in the world of, you know, skincare specialists. And they're like, why would I you know, set up this appointment when I could just look on YouTube and type in something and see a video of somebody telling me what they used. And it's like, you know, people ask me all the time about my skin. I was like, well, this is what I use. You know, if you have similar skin, okay, Mm -hmm. but you should also go see an esthetician. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like referring people for esthetician. I'm like, don't come to me. Your skin doesn't fall off. I am not your leader. I am not your leader. Exactly. Don't come stay in them beauty meeting girls, okay? I'm like, this is what I use. This is what I think. But by all means. I mean, but people have to think of it the way they think of anything else. I have used hair care products and someone else tried it and they were like, my twist out didn't look like yours. I was like, well, your hair, yeah. not mine. It, yeah. my, my hair doesn't grow out of your head. So it, it may not be identical. Yeah. I can only tell you based on my little, you know, 4B, 4C. You say you got 4B, mm-hmm. 4C. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. So Eunice, um, oh, the question was right at the tip of my tongue. Anti-aging for Black women. I'm interested in your thoughts on that because so we've we've had some conversations on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like a few episodes back we started to talk about the idea of Black women um, perceiving like 
are getting Botox and um, Mm. elective surgeries, things of that nature. Mm. And there's always this idea of Black don't crack. Um, And how do you feel? Do you feel like that does a disservice to Black women? I think it does. It doesn't tell the full story. Um, Yeah, Black doesn't crack, but it does sag. Yeah. So, you know, I I think more and more of us are becoming exposed to um, aesthetics um, when it comes to getting the the Botox and all of those, the fillers and all of those different treatments. And in fact, um, about two weeks ago, I spoke at an aesthetics um, conference um, and I was probably amongst a handful of black women that were there. And, you know, it, you know, it's interesting to see that, you know, other groups, they, you know, really take this really seriously and we're just a growing market, but no one knows how to really um, market or address this, this type of thing to us. I mean, now you have, you know, other groups of women that want our lips, they want our butts, they want everything that we got, you know, and, and for us, you know, I really, it's about the, the, the maintenance and things of that nature. Of mm-hmm. course, some of us may want to make some changes to our noses and eyes and things, but really, you know, it's about the, the maintenance, um, for us. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think it's a, a choice that if any woman wants to, or man wants to get that type of service. I mean, it, it, it helps to have someone that's knowledgeable about our skin um, in reference to, you know, getting these types of procedures. Yeah. Okay. So in your professional opinion, mm-hmm. if we are doing, if, if let's say I've never had a skincare routine, I'm about to build my skincare routine. What products do I need? I, I say, keep it very simple. So I would say you need a cleanser, a toner, and a moisturizer. Keep it very, very simple. Not I, a sunscreen? Uh, and a sunscreen. Okay. But there's some moisturizers <laughs> that actually have sunscreen in them. So uh, uh, let's add in the sunscreen if your moisturizer doesn't have a SPF of 30. So I would say those are the, the basic things that you need for your skin routine. Um, you definitely need to understand what your skin type So do you have oily skin, combination skin, normal skin? Do you have dry skin, sensitive skin? That's important to know because that sort of dictates what types of products that you get for yourself. But I'm always of the point, the the mindset of keep it simple. I know a lot of people like to do the Korean 12 step. Honestly, you don't need that because your skin can only absorb so much at one time. And you're essentially just wasting... (laughs) yes and essentially you're wasting product you know I used to have really really bad acne um in high school and and even in college and I had to learn how to control my acne and I just kept it simple yeah with those few products and what tips do you have we're transitioning into colder months and um the past two weeks I've been thinking about what do I need to do? What do I need to re-up on? And how do I need to change it up? So um, so I prevent my skin from getting super dry because that happens to me every winter. So I'm trying to be proactive. But what tips oh, do you that, have? Yeah, so I would say um, getting a moisturizer that has a hyaluronic acid, which is a really great ingredient that holds 
um, a thousand times amount in water, mm-hmm. sodium lactate, and anything that has ceramides. And, and so let me go back to the hyaluronic acid. It's naturally found in our skin, but as we age, we tend to lose um, the hyaluronic acid. So that's why, you know, we lose that plumpness uh, look to our skin and that hydrating look to our skin. And then um, with a ceramides, they're all, they're also in our skin as well, but for black skin in particular, we have uh, less ceramides than in comparison to Caucasian and um, Asian skin. Yes. And that's why we, we tend to deal with dry, ashy skin. Mm. Look at that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I, I highly recommend anything with hyaluronic acid, ceramides and sodium lactate because they're very hydrating um, to the skin. And um, another thing, you know, during the winter months, I know we like to take those hot baths, but that can actually strip our skin as well. So if you could take, you know, warm um, showers or baths, that helps uh, as well. I mean, uh, I was living in Florida where it was humid. I wasn't having many issues with my skin because my body is... um, typically dry and my face is typically, you know, a uh, combination. But when I moved to Virginia, oh my gosh, that first winter was horrible. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was scratching everywhere. So, you know, I had to utilize, you know, what I have and with ceramides and hyaluronic acid yeah. and slather my body with that. And that's what got me through the winter. Mm, okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, Talia, do you want to transition into segments? Um, we have another question. Into, so I, I have one more question about okay. ingredients because you didn't create a, a clean beauty brand per se. You created a scientific beauty brand. Mm-hmm. So in this, mm-hmm. you know, where clean beauty is that girl, why did you decide to go with science? Um, because I feel like there is a lack of um, information concerning the skin that we're in. And I think it's more important to understand the science behind the products that you use and how your skin um, works. Um, Because just because it's clean, quote unquote, doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be effective. Yeah. And so we want our our consumers to be knowledgeable about the skin that they're in, understanding the physiology of their skin, understanding their melanin understanding just like what I just told you about the ceramides and why your skin may be reacting the way it does during the winter months. We want them to understand that so they can make better informed decisions and understand why we formulate the way that we do. Yeah. That's a very Dooney thing because Dooney is always like, I don't care about it being clean. Yeah. <laughs> all, all chemicals are bad. That's true. That's the scientist in me. <laughs> yeah, because water is a chemical. We're made of carbon. We're, that's a chemical. So everything around us is a chemical. Yep. I mean, even these things that are coming out of plants, those are those it's chemicals. Those are chemicals. No, yeah. so I feel like it's just it just gets a bad rep. Yeah. Um, I do want to congratulate you on being a 2021 Glossier Grant Initiative recipient. Thank you. That Thank is you. big. Um, and I'm interested in what you're looking to get out of being a participant in the program. What are they going to do for you? 
So, of course, they gave us $50,000. Come on. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. And then um, they're also providing mentorship. And so, actually, yesterday I met with the CEO of Glossier. She gave me some really great advice. Um, And then they also have uh, executives within their company that they're uh, will be providing mentorship to us in different areas of need. And then we meet, you know, at least once a month um, where they will have a topic that covers um, some area of building a beauty brand. And so I think um, they are really taking, you know, helping Black beauty brands very seriously. And I'm actually really interested in seeing, you know, five, 10, 20 years from now you know, how all of us, how things turn out for us because the seeds that they're sowing into us, I mean, no one has done that. Yeah. No other company has done that. And it's it's just amazing. I'm really glad that they are putting, not just putting their money where their mouths are, but actually walking the walk because they were one of the first last year, last June to step up and say, you know, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And I've seen them continuously, you know, provide updates on where they are. And this whole initiative, when they actually picked people last year, I was like, oh, okay, you know, they're, they're really doing it. And then when this year came around and I saw all of the recipients, I was, mm-hmm. I was really impressed. So I'm yeah. really glad to hear that it's like truly substance that's, you know. Oh, yeah, because some of us got opportunities last year and. You know, I was talking to a group of other beauty brands and we were wondering, you know, what's up with, you know, these so-called folks that are saying they want they want to help us. Uh, And, um, you know, everybody is not really out there to help. Right. Some people want data. Mm. You, I remember you saying that in the chat. Yeah. yeah. You were like, I'm not answering no more calls. I'm not <laughs> Yeah. Some people want data. Yeah. And they, yeah. because they're trying to figure our market out. That's crazy. And they, they don't. But this, our secret sauce is the essence that we carry. No one can ever figure that out or penetrate that. Yeah. You made an interesting mm-hmm. comment. Um, just a little bit ago, you said the hair care industry has been taken over by mm-hmm. others. Um, so I would like for you to expand on that and then mm-hmm. talk about what you're seeing with the skincare industry. Because you sound very, yeah. you seem very, you're very passionate about it being run by us, being maintained for us. So, oh, most definitely. So if you look at the trajectory over the years, um, of Black-owned companies that were acquired by larger conglomerates that weren't owned by us. And then if you look at even the supply chain, when it comes to the beauty supply stores, many of them are not owned by us. Um, when you look at even uh, from a product development, a lot of that is not owned by us. Mm. And so... Um, it's hard for many folk, many, it's hard for Black um, men and women who want to actually go into hair care because it's uh, this, the supply chain, that network with the beauty supply stores is so tight. It's hard for us to penetrate. We can't yeah. even, you know, sell the hair. Mm. You know, we, it's, it's really tough. And so um, when you think about skincare, 
you know, a lot of black women are like, I'm not going to let so-and-so touch my skin because she doesn't look like me. And they can't relate. They want someone that looks like them that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same thing with other women of color across the board. You know, they want to see somebody that has taken the initiative to actually develop products that are just for them, designed for their skin. They want to go to someone that um, an esthetician that services our skin, that has the knowledge base and knows how to care for our skin. It's it's that trust factor. It's something. And I think it's a, a, a growing area because we're now becoming more aware of the uniqueness of our skin and embracing that. We embraced our hair. But now we're, we're yearning to learn more about our skin. Very true. That's very true. Man. Okay, I think we're ready for segments. <laughs> and you gave me a lot to think about that. <laughs> I'm low-key like, I want to start a skincare brand. <laughs> look, look, I've, That's I've been thinking. For me. <laughs> I was like, should I start a beauty supply? Because I'm oh, setting I, my spirit. Anyone that can create a beauty supply or a, um, a an aesthetic service for skin of color, yeah, I'm t- that. Yeah. And and there's some other places that have been untapped. But yeah, I oh, think those are have areas. A offline conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, yeah. sound like she about to tap into them. And she yeah. people know. <laughs> you over here dropping all the gems. Give us another one. Give yeah. Us another one. So there, okay. there, there are opportunities <laughs> yeah. that people are not looking at. For our community. Yeah. I do have one final question before I swear we're going to get into these segments. <laughs> but <laughs> have you felt embraced by the skincare community, by other Black women or women of color? Have you felt like, you know, in this time where a lot of Black female founders are coming up, have you kind of felt like it's a, it's a sisterhood? Yeah, I have definitely felt embraced by other um, Black women founders. Um, they may not necessarily be in the skincare space. They may be in hair care. And, you know, I can go to them and talk to them about different issues um, or things that we're dealing with. We share resources. And um, so I have found my niche community. I know some people feel like, you know, uh, the hair care and, and, and the beauty community uh, um, can be a bit catty. And it, and it can, but you just have to find your, your people. And I've been able to find my people. And I would say in the aesthetics world, when it comes to estheticians, they've embraced me, you know, big time, you know, over the years, I've developed a relationship with, um, thousands of them, you know, when even, uh, Michelle Obama's former esthetician. And, um, so I've been able to develop those relationships and whenever I'm doing something, they're there to support. And yeah. So well, they should great. be. I mean, you to go. Like, who got more degrees <laughs> than you? That's who, who knows more than you? Right. Right. Um, Eunice, would you ever open up a clinic? Oh, 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 oh so <laughs> I I will say this. I am open to any opportunity that allows me to service men and women of color um, effectively and help them to see um, the beauty in the skin that they're in. So I'll say it like that. 
you know, this um, <laughs> this political world or political <laughs> training that you <laughs> have dabbled in is quite impressive. <laughs> but I'm definitely um, open to it, so. <laughs> okay, I think it's time to transition. Yes. Uh, okay, let's so let's start with add to cart. So, you know, this segment is anything, any product or service that you have recently come across, have recently used, that you just feel like everybody needs this, everybody should know about this. Um, tell us, tell us why, where we can find it. Tell us why you love it. This is what Add to Cart is. So I'll start off. This mm-hmm. is like super basic. It is the most basic of basic things, but I don't care mm-hmm. because it's new to me. So mm-hmm. I finally, I got my first retinoid prescription. Ooh. And my life has been changed. It's, uh, oh, I forget how to pronounce it. Tretinoin? Tretinoin? Tretinoin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tretinoin. Correct. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And um, you'll never guess that I have a chemistry degree. So <laughs> um, I love it. I've been using it now for about, I think maybe like a little over a week. It's the only thing that I've switched up. And I looked in the mirror today and I was like, who is that girl? She is very cute. Like there was an extra brightness that mm-hmm. I that I noticed with my skin. And I got it because um, I have some like some acne scarring that I've mm-hmm. been trying to address. And I just feel like nothing has been really working. And I mm-hmm. had an appointment with a dermatologist for something else and I just Great. brought it up. And she yeah. was just like, you know, I think it's like, it's about time you start using um retinoid. So mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Oh, awesome. 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 Do you I use was... it every other day? Or how do you how often do yeah, you use it? I'm using yeah. it every other day and I am not applying it directly onto my face. I'm like mixing it in with my moisturizer. I would say I'm gonna bring do something old school. Mm-hmm. And um Dooney, you may know of this, um, but I we call it the Ghana sponge or swakula. Is it the with the net? Right? Yeah, the net. Yeah. I use it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is it? <laughs> it's the sponge they sell in the Sephora for $18. It's an actual yeah. sponge. So it's like a net like um yeah. sponge. And it is very common in, in Africa for uh folks to use it. And it's a great um tool to use for exfoliating the body. I think it's like my 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 cloth, Dooney. Do you remember when we we did that that interview and we had to submit things that we were using? Do you remember? Oh, and, I do. And I it's like know. a long, I guess, like it net. It's long. Yeah, and I can yeah. use it for my whole body. I use yeah. it to like wash, but it's not cloth yeah. though. It's no, it's cloth. like a okay. net. Yes. it's like yes. a net. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Did you get yours from Sephora? No, I got it from a black owned brand. I got okay. it from a, a black owned. Um, location in okay. Brooklyn that sells mm-hmm. Black-owned brands. <laughs> Is it Love Scrub? That's it. Yes. Yep. The same one they sell in <laughs> yep. Sephora. Yep. Oh, she's, okay. a, she's a Ghanaian. She's Ghanaian. Yeah. Yeah. So I like how she's packaged it, taking what we've, we use and we, you know, we think it's something that's not as, as important, but she's yeah. packaged it to make it Listen. look luxury. Let me tell and you, the first this time- lives in my shower and nothing, the lather, is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw that, 
and that's the brand that they're selling at um, Sephora. That I was oh, good, for about her. good for her. And I was like, what? I was like, how much? I was like, I buy them in Lagos on the road for like $10 for a dollar. Not on the road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally where we get them. Like, yes. I just brought some back in July. <laughs> No, okay. That's crazy. Um, mine is unexpected. So I went to Houston and it was like a girl's trip. And one of my homegirls was getting ready and she put this lotion on. And she's maybe, she's maybe a few shades darker than me. She's like my complexion when I'm tanned. And she was glowing. I mean, like her legs were like a bronze goddess. I was like, what did Ooh. you just put on your body. And she was like, oh, it's this. And so it's from European Wax Center. It's <gasps> a daily sunscreen lotion. It is remarkable. And when ah. I tell you, I go to European Wax Center to get my little waxes. I've never even thought about pur- purchasing a product. Yeah. It was amazing. It's amazing. It's called Slow. It's right here. Look, you can't even see it. Can you see that? There you oh, go. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's the one with, with aloe. It's amazing. How much was it? Mm, I don't know, because it didn't even matter. <laughs> like I, I literally went in there just to buy it. I didn't even have an appointment. Like I went to buy it. I was like, Don't I know exactly that. what I I took a picture of hers. I walked in there like this is what I'm getting. This is all I need. Thanks. Amazing. I'm gonna have to mine. upgrade from my cocoa Vaseline oil. Just get that it like in addition to <laughs> just in addition to. <laughs> What's the All next right, one you want to do? Beauty moment? Nudis has to do her add to cart. She did it. She just did the love scrub. Yep. Dude, you oh my God, scrub. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, you know why? Because when Talia started talking about how she mentioned it, I thought it was yours. Okay, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I just co-signed her. I was like, I didn't okay, that. Okay, my bad. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. yes. You want to do the beauty moment of the week or beauty news? Uh, let's do beauty news. Okay. So beauty news is a segment where One of us reads an article relating to beauty, something from the headlines. Um, Mm -hmm. The other one has no idea what it's about. So I chose this one and it is from fashionista.com. And the title is, this is what beauty media and branding jobs really pay in 2021. Ooh, I think I saw that one. Did you read it? Yeah. And I, isn't it the one where they listed each job in the salaries? Oh yes, they did. Now, Ooh, let me give you a, a little bit of background. Um, so 90, so they, they interviewed over 250 beauty professionals. 92% were women. Over 50% live in New York with the majority split between California and outside the U.S. Um, most of them have between three and 10 years experience. 60% were white, nine Spanish, 12 Asian nine Black or African-American. Oh, wow. Now, when we take a look at these salaries, what they are saying is that while men were not very well represented among the respondents, they didn't actually tell us how many, well, if 92% were women, then the rest were men. So while men were not very well represented, their average salaries were 138,000 versus 107,000 for women. So that means men aren't even in this category and they are making more than women. Mm. 
Um, white respondents had the highest mean salary of 114,000, followed by Asians at 103,000, Black or African Americans at 86,000. Oh, wow. Um, of those questioned um, about how the pandemic affected their job, mm. not a lot of people were impacted, but those who did lose their jobs have had a hard time finding a new one. Of the 11% who said that they were laid off, 59% are still unemployed. Oh my goodness. Now, <clears throat> when we get into some of these jobs, um, let's look at media. Mm -hmm. So of the job titles, the highest grossing position was beauty editor and the, at 143,000. The lowest grossing position is assistant beauty editor at mm -hmm. 51,000. And I'm just thinking about how more than 50% of these people live in New York. Assistant beauty editor is a, is a good title, but 51,000 is like, where, where do where I live? Where are you living? <laughs> yes. <laughs> where, do I, where do I live? Um, by experience level, in order to reach six figures, we're talking 108,000, most people had between 11 and 15 years of experience. Wow. And, and you're at 108,000 in a, in a New York city. Now <clears throat> we're going to play a, a little game. The next category is brand content of these titles. Which do you think makes the most chief creative officer, content manager, social media manager, editorial director, copywriter, assistant. Editorial director. <laughs> the editorial director came in at number two at 137,000. The social media manager makes $167,000 a year. What? I can, I, can, I can believe that. I was like, do I need to take a course? Yeah. <laughs> Should I rethink my relationship with that's social why we, media? That's why we can't get nobody to run beauty deeds because we don't got, <laughs> got $167,000 a day. And that's the median. I was wow. like, wow. I did not realize they were getting that much money. 167000 I was like, oh my Goodness. It takes a lot to manage social media. It does. It's not for the faint of heart. I can't Beauty. even record content. So mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> no, more power to them, honestly. Right? Earning, earning every, every dollar and cent. Um, <laughs> the influencer came in at 97000 And the beauty brand founder came in at 103000 Only 103000 Yes. Wow. You might as well be an influencer. <laughs> But I mean, but I'm also thinking they probably, well, I don't know, Janice, as a founder, do you take a salary or is it like, a, or is it like you got to pay everybody else and then you pay yourself? Yeah, I don't, I don't take a salary. Yeah. Okay. All. So, so I, that's I pay everybody else. And then you, um, yeah. Yeah. When you're first starting off your first three to five years, you're most like, if you, unless you've gotten outside funding. Mm -hmm. If you're bootstrapping, bootstrapping, you're most likely are going to pay everyone else except for yourself. Yeah, that's fair. Now, it's interesting that they only chose uh, New York and California for the survey. But Atlanta and Chicago have burgeoning beauty markets yes. as yes. well as Texas. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious like as to why they did not include those, those the numbers places. numbers probably aren't as drastic. Yeah, it made it seem like they chose because it says that the professionals 
came from companies, including like the big companies. So like Estee, Bustle, Edelman, and, you know, of the people, I guess the majority of them live in New York. So they don't even think about our our companies or factorists. Or maybe they were, but it was just such a small number. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, 2%, 3%, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because when I think about, I guess, major beauty companies, if they are housed in New York versus having, you know, people elsewhere, maybe that could have something Mm -hmm. to do with it. Mm -hmm. I also think New York is just such an easy place for people to go for data because there's just yeah. such a variety um, there. There's just so many industries that are represented. And I think mm. whenever people think anything beauty, fashion, communication, That's what they, yeah. entertainment, you know, New York is just such an easy go-to. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. are people getting paid off of so so let's say hypothetically, <laughs> let's say I lived in New York, I had this job making uh $150,000. And then the pandemic happened and I moved to Idaho. Do I still count? Like, are people's salaries being adjusted based on their transition if you are now remote? I've heard. Oh, that's a good question. I may tell you New York in the survey just to keep my salary. I've heard from different people that they're trying to do that, that their different companies are trying to say, okay, by such and such date, you need to let us know what your actual address is. Oh, and wow. they are trying to do some salary adjustments because if you, you know, took a position in the Bay making 230000 and now you're living in Kansas, the math is not mapping, you know, like <laughs> it's just not adding up. So, you know, you in New York getting two fifty a year and then you decide to move, you know, um, to Delaware again, you know, numbers ain't adding up. So I have heard some companies are trying to do that if they're allowing if they're allowing their employees to stay remote permanently, then they're requiring like proof of residence and want to make sure because it's tax implications for the company too. Can you imagine if I'm making 250000 from New York, I go to Delaware and you're like, oh, well, this is a tier four city. Right. And so you mm-hmm. make 87 because yeah. of whatever. And I'm like, you don't know my life. I don't bought this huge ass mansion and this farm <laughs> and this <laughs> land no businesses. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't. If that, I done if paid that off was my two loans. Like you can't take away my care. salary. I don't care where I'm living. Y'all gonna get a New York address. <laughs> like, mind your business. <laughs> there is no way I would be like I have. I need this. You don't know what plans I have. The way this exactly. Bitcoin hidden. Like mind your business. <laughs> no, give me my money. That's interesting. And, you know, I'm always surprised by these salaries, especially when you're talking about these industries that bring in so much much money. money. Like everybody yeah. knows that the beauty industry is just dollars, 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 dollars. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like, well, who's really getting exploited here? Is it the consumers or the workers or is it both? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the assistance that's making you know? 25000 When I saw that, I was like, oh, you need about four roommates. New York, 25000 Like, what is after How do you live on that? Not going anywhere. Ugh. You just, you just pray. <laughs> <laughs> You're just living on prayers. <laughs> oh my Sick. goodness. Mm-mm. All right, Eunice, we come to the end of our interview, but we have one more question for you. No, Talia, we're doing the do beauty have... moment of the week. No, we just did two segments. Oh, 
<laughs> you know well, what? I'm going to say I'm not. Say, you mentioned beauty moment mm-hmm. twice, so let's just go ahead and do the beauty moment. So if, if we don't do it, then I got to wait till next week. You so mentioned, you mentioned it twice. Let's, let's go. Okay. If you don't, if you don't have one, Eunice, that's fine. But a beauty moment is where we share the good, the bad, or the ugly about something personal relating to beauty this week. So I just, it's okay if you don't have one. I just want to get mine out mm-hmm. there in the world. Okay. This week. For the very first time, I tried a sugar wax. I have been a hard wax girl for a decade. I have tried a sugar wax. So I went to this place called Sugarine NYC, even though it was located in Chicago. I will say that the office is located in a building and it just was not giving luxury if that makes sense. <laughs> this is somebody's office part. Like, I mean, I walked in, I was a smidge disappointed, right? So I traditionally go to Unique, but there's no Unique in Chicago. So I've been going to European Wax Center. And maybe it's just that clean, white, professional aesthetic where I just walk in and I feel like everything is like boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, this seems great. This was like, I mean, it had like a pink wall and like a sign. And the women were very nice. But when I walked into the room, I was just like, this is, it was a little casual for my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I saw like a head scarf. I was like, why is it so relaxed in here? Mm-hmm. But the experience was, um, it wasn't bad, right? Typically what I've heard is that sugar waxing hurts less then hard waxing, I think it's just a different kind of pain. Like, I, I can't say it mm-hmm. hurt any less. Um, I'm also pretty accustomed to waxes, so they all pretty much feel the same. Uh, it's just like, I, I had to do a lot more work. So she's like, you know, pull your skin this way, put your fingers like this. I was like, girl, what? Like, I have to do a lot of work <laughs> to get this <laughs> Like, Like, they, I had to assist. But ultimately, yeah, it was it was fine. But I was like, oh, I don't know if it's any less painful. It was just less glamorous. Hard wax, yeah. You yeah. should probably try Mabel Butler. She's from Zimbabwe and she owns a sugar waxing um, company and brand called Taipera. And mm. she trains other estheticians on how to do sugar waxing on us. What's her name? Hi. Her name is Mabel Butler. Mabel and so Butler. she probably has some folks that she's trained in your area. Okay, I'm gonna look into that. Mm. Um, so my beauty moment of the week, if I take a look at the past seven days, I'm very proud of myself because I have washed my face, I think every night. <laughs> I have like, I have completely fallen off with like my routines, but when there's a change of season coming, I try to double down on routine because it just helps me with my overall wellness and, you know, having something that I anchor to. So I have washed my face and brushed my teeth every night for the past <laughs> seven nights. And I'm really <laughs> proud of myself. You go, and girl. You know I'm going to take a step further. Not only have I brushed my teeth, but I have lost every other night. So <laughs> every other night. I, it's, look, this is like, this is, I've been very ambitious and I'm, I'm very proud of my progress. So. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I'm trying to think, did I wash my face last night? I don't think I did. So who am I to judge? 
I was tired. Do you have one? I would say um, mine uh, yesterday, I finally got around to uh, dyeing my hair. I bought the dye maybe one or two months ago. It's just a a semi-permanent. I like to, you know, make sure I have like a rich uh, So why you got this hat on? What are we talking about? Uh, You don't want to see what's under it. (laughs) 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 But... You know, I had, you know, I, I I had been spinning, you know, spinning my wheels like, oh, man, I got so much work to do, but I really need to do this. So I took some time out to do that. And I used it with Olaplex. Oh, I love Olaplex. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Which ones yeah. did you use? Like the- I used all of them. So I, I mixed because oh. um, because I'm a professional, I can get access to these things. So I mixed um, the number one in the dye. And and I use two, three, and then the shampoo and conditioner. Mm, I I use the pre-wash one. I forget what number it is. And then mm-hmm. the deep moisture. What one. do the numbers have to do with anything? Like it's based on hair type? The steps. Oh, no, it's just oh, the steps. the steps. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm oh. glad I did it to get my hair prepped for Thursday. I'm going to get a, a, a silk press. Okay. 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 Silk press. And you hear that black black women, other black women are using Olaplex. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my salon uses it too. Olaplex. I think mm-hmm. I think that's definitely become big among black. I didn't know that black women. I've never heard of. I've never heard of any any black women using Olaplex. Oh before. yeah, really? If you, those mm-hmm. who have relaxers and even those with natural hair that may have been it. damaged, mm-hmm. and you want to get that curl back, Olaplex works really well. Yeah. Well. I love it. I love it. I feel like it's one of those brands that I I think maybe when I hear like hair care conversations and everything, it's often centered around black owned brands. Olaplex is obviously not, but it's like Mm -hmm. one of those trusted non-black brands. Mm -hmm. They can come to the cookout anytime. No. (laughs) Yes, they can. But they can have a plate outside the fence. You can't just let people in the cookout. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's not. If you, Some of if these you other let hair them care in, brands are just anybody. If you let them in, Dooney, you got to let in Kanye West's ex-wife. You can't no, just be letting all these people no, in. No, we don't. And I'm we'll, be, listen, we'll argue I'm, about this I'm, offline. Unpopular opinion, but Skims is that thing. So, look, I don't care. Debatable. I'm not letting <laughs> no, no, really. yes. no other. And there have been a the number cookout. of articles about how people are like, it's the articles are literally titled, I hate to admit it. But I love Skims. And I was one of those people. When I started seeing these articles pop up, I was like, oh, there's a tribe of us out here. And it's literally the vast majority of Black women who are like, I "I really hate to say this. Because they don't like that that family. Yeah. Exactly. But the product. So, you know. I agree um, with the product. Well, the product product can come in. in. That's what I'm saying. The product can come in. And the makers can get a plate outside. All the is coming inside, too. Not, not (laughs) Not the founders. I just because people know, nice to you, they, that don't mean but they the could product, come in. The product is coming inside. The founders can, can bring the product. circle the block. I'm okay with okay. that. Thank but you. Products, That's all I'm saying. Listen, all the plug, what are the numbers? Throw, throw the pantyhose over one the fence. One five, one, whatever, yeah. eight, whatever, five, I think, right? All of them. Okay. <laughs> throw, <laughs> throw, the, throw the products <laughs> through the mail slot. Totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, okay, Eunice. And our very last question for you is, why does beauty need you? Why does beauty need me? That is a great question. I would say beauty needs me because 
I am the alternative to the what has been considered the standard. Mm. I'm a black woman that has a science background that um, you know has a desire to enlighten men and women of color about the skin that they're in, bringing in the science so that they can gain a greater appreciation for who they are and in turn have the confidence to go out into the world and fulfill their, their life's purpose. Love it. Absolutely love it. You are our first guest this season. Ooh, thank yeah. you. Right, right. <laughs> we love talking with you. All right, Beauty Needs Me fam. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.